Okay, let me go second this time. <laughs> Christian. Braxton. <laughs> and I'm Brett. And welcome to the question at hand. The least specific podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the question at hand. I hope everybody has been doing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so we've got some we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Brett is back with us this week. I'm back. He's back. <laughs> uh, it's it's always a good time whenever Brett's here. Um, but I have a timeline to lay out for you. In my th- if I were to if someone like told me what this article was the other day, and I had to lay out a timeline. This is probably the timeline that I would put it in. So you're going to like know pretty much immediately what I'm talking about. But I would say that this probably starts a couple, a few months ago. Uh, I don't know how many months ago, but basically I would say that this starts around the time Bob Lazar goes on Joe Rogan's podcast. And after he goes on and talks about working at area S four and all this crazy UFO alien stuff. People then decide that they are going to storm area 51, which we did not happen. Never happened. Wish it would have. Would have been really cool. <laughs> A lot of people probably would have died trying to storm area 51, but it's cool. You get it the never- kid Naruto running behind the news lady. And I think that was <laughs> worth it. That was, that was well good. worth it. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, and then I would say after that, you have this big deal where the Pentagon declassifies these that these leaked i guess you could say mm-hmm. naval videos where they're following this unaf- unidentified flying object through a tip yeah i would say that that probably is like the next point before this one so this week i think it was this week it was this week right mm-hmm. the pentagon comes out and says that they are going to be reporting on basically a number of the UFO phenomena that they've found. Um, but they say that they are uh, in possession of off-world vehicles, not from Earth. Mm. Which is insane. Yeah, it was like a former employee, like a former Pentagon contractor that came out and was like, just go ahead and tell them. And then apparently the Pentagon was like, okay, we'll declassify some stuff. Yeah, absolutely insane. Like, if you believe in aliens or if you don't believe in aliens the fact that the pentagon comes out and says hey we have this stuff that we don't know where it came from it's not made on this earth it's some sort of vehicle most likely to fly around in by no one said that huh it could have wheels i mean it could (laughs) but how would it get here if it didn't if it had wheels it could be like it could be a warthog now, when he was a young warthog, did they from explain <laughs> how they know it's extraterrestrial? Or it was just a no. It was just not the necessarily former no. contractor that was like, "Hey, the Pentagon's in possession of extraterrestrial aircraft." Yeah. Only reason why I ask is because, I mean, could it be the Chinese or Russians or something? They I think, have some well, kind of technology I mean, I guess we don't a, know about. There's a possibility Maybe. that it could be, but I mean, if you if if it falls in line with the stuff that Bob Lazar reported on, where that they have this element mm-hmm. that powers all of this, these spacecrafts that they know is not made on Earth and they've tried to replicate it, 
and the closest they've got is an uns- it, the closest they got is they got it stable for like 10 nanoseconds or some like insane thing before it was unstable and disappeared and uh that's that's how that these ships are piloted like he was part of the group that was working on the reactor to try to recreate these spaceships and be able to fly them mm-hmm. um and that would probably be implemented into uh the armed forces somehow i would think if he was if they were successful to somehow recreate this i don't know what the element like 155 or yeah, something 115 like that. or something 115 but there's was also that like show, the next element in line of the periodic table or something i don't I know think it's a if few that's down. i think it i don't know um i don't know if it's but it's a hypothetical undiscovered yeah element yeah. right it's something that you can't find on earth like mm-hmm. it's not like you could just go out and dig it up and throw it in this reactor and it works so um tony wild. stark's heart <laughs> yeah <laughs> is the bob lazar documentary still on netflix I don't know if it's still Netflix. Um, I can check real quick. So I'm wondering if this announcement is tied to the unidentified show on the History Channel. I don't know. I haven't watched any of that. Because the ATIP stuff was. So, Brett, if you don't know, we did an episode on this, but maybe you watched the show. If not, you should. There's a really cool show on history called Unidentified. And it follows the guy who was in yeah. charge of the secret program. It's still on Netflix. Nice. The bubbles are. Um, his name was Luis Elizondo, and he was in charge of this program called ATIP. And basically, it was them collecting reports from Air Force pilots um, and trying to figure out what, what it was. But it was never like toward, it was never geared toward UFOs like outright. They always thought maybe it's our soft allies, you know. We don't want to be passed up in terms of military technology. So let's look into this. Let's figure out what they're seeing because they basically could debriefing be, pilots who saw things. Yeah. It could be new Chinese drones, Russian drones, Iranian drones, anything. Um, then they started seeing capabilities and capturing this on aircraft cameras, uh, like things that should not be possible. Um, speeds, directional movement. Um, and they got a few reports of things coming out of the water and just flying. So they got some weird stuff and a lot some of it got leaked, which is the really famous videos. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but he had a show. Season one was really interesting. They ended up going to Italy and the Italian government was like, yeah, we think one of these UFO things shot down one of our helicopters in like 2006. And season two, which just started, which is why I think it might result in this. Because last time the news leaked as the show was going on about the ATIP videos. Um, Were those featured in the show? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like the, the like the finale of season one. Season two just started. I think they're four episodes in. So I'm wondering if this is going to be resolved in the show. It may be. But hmm. it's, a, it's a cool show. Yeah. I Dude, this news is like insane though. When mm-hmm. I first saw this the other day, I was like, there's no freaking way that mm-hmm. they actually came out and said, hey, yeah, we have these vehicles it's almost it's funny came from yeah maybe they did it's like we this is literally like the hugest news cycle ever so let's slip these things to the public now (laughs) yeah it's like oh yeah we have after 30 minutes i feel like (laughs) i forgot about that yeah (laughs) so uh then after we get these reports i'm like holy crap and christian last night on tiktok sends me this tiktok of this guy who's shining like a super powered 
green laser like into the sky as these <laughs> UFOs are coming over. And he points it and it starts following it like a cat would with the laser. And it's like, it's moving around like all over the place. It's not like it's just like turning or something. Like it's literally just like all over the place, like a pinball machine. And I'm like, what the frick is that? I I swear, dude, one of these days when I'm like driving home at night, I'm going to see something like that and I'm going to freak the crap out and I'm not going to get it on video. I can guarantee you, yeah, you I won't. No. Because I won't think about it. I'll be like, oh my God, what is that? My first reaction would not be, oh, let me pull up my camera and try to get this thing real quick. And apparently yeah. they had been seeing them for a while, like that night, because they were like playing with them almost with this laser. It was crazy. I was like, it's what wild. the heck? Freaking wild, man. So do aliens exist? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think we do have proof here, though. Take a look at this picture and describe to the audience what you see. Proof of aliens? Is this what this picture is? Mm-hmm. Take a good hard look. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh. What the frick is that? Is that in the Whataburger par- parking lot? Yes, mm-hmm. it's, it's <laughs> in the Whataburger parking lot looking towards O'Reilly Auto Parts. I but- see a rainbow. And where does it end? Nowhere, but there's like a weird exactly thing up there. Did y'all see? It this? is a rainbow that leads back to behind the O'Reilly Auto Parts. There has to be significance. <laughs> we drove around for a long time back behind there in the neighborhood, but we never found the gold. Oh. But when we saw that, we were like, "This stuff for the podcast writes itself." <laughs> Christian wanted Whataburger, so we drove through the parking lot. I was like, "Oh, look, a rainbow!" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, do you realize what this means?" <laughs> There's an Irishman. There's a Good lord. Anyway, that's, that's the proof. That's something. That's the proof that aliens exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the, it's totally not the proof that leprechauns exist. Yeah. It's it's that aliens are real. Holy moly. <laughs> We're all involved together somehow, mystical beings. Oh my lord. I like doing the voice. I I get, I get that impression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk like this the rest of the podcast. Me likes doing this here voice. We need to do an investigative episode <laughs> on the uh, viral YouTube video where the one neighborhood said they were seeing a leprechaun in like Georgia. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> and those people, but what's funny though is like those people are, are serious. Uh-huh. Like, it, did, not like, making fun of it, just like, yeah, like just the fact of like, they saw something that night. Like, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not saying it was a leprechaun, but those people saw something and they were convinced that they saw a leprechaun that night. Yeah. Ooh. The drawing. I forgot about that. Ooh. And then uh, the other night, Braxton and I. What the heck? Oh, Frank. That's the sketch. Amateur sketch. That needs Holy to be the moly. thumbnail of the episode. <laughs> I may just have to like you may have to link to that and I'll stick it on the website and then go then go look on the website for that one. I, I'll have to link. Oh, no, this will have to be in this episode that we reinvestigate this whole thing. Um, golly. <laughs> anyway, so the other day, Braxton and I went and filmed a dope YouTube video in Longview, and on the way back, I don't know what I saw. Oh yeah, but. <laughs> 
So I was we, looking at the other side of the road because there was an old truck. Yeah, so you know, we, like a fifty truck that video. had Christmas lights on. Yeah. And I was we, like, oh, look at the truck. We filmed this video and it's daylight outside. What I was probably like five. Yeah, six it was o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so then we go to Christian's hotel room in Longview. We film an interview, and at when we're done, we went to eat at Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel is the funniest. We need to have Russ on the podcast because that was the fun. That was the hardest I've laughed. And like he told us two or three stories about him being a movie theater employee. <laughs> Literally, literally the funniest stories that I've ever heard in my entire life. We need to have Russ on the podcast. Anyway, uh, so we're we're leaving Cracker Barrel. We're going home. Just me and Braxton chilling in the truck. I'm talking it's about dark. it's dark. We're talking about whatever. It's I don't know. Ten it's probably like nine thirty. Nine thirty. Ten o'clock. Um, we're just talking about whatever. And uh, I wasn't really paying that close of attention. Braxton is really not paying attention because I'm looking, looking at the, the other side of the truck, right? And out of the corner of like my headlight, like we had just passed it, and I, before I like my eyes saw this thing, it's like a a reddish brown, probably about six and a half, seven feet tall, maybe a little taller than that. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was fuzz. I couldn't tell if it had like fur or what it was because we were. I mean, we were going like seventy miles an hour, and uh, I literally saw it for like a split second out of the corner of my eye, and I don't know what it was. I think it might have been a Sasquatch. A Squatch. And I was like, holy crap, did you just see that? And Braxton's like, no. <laughs> I said, huh? What? You were like, what? <laughs> and I said, I- I'm pretty sure I just saw a Bigfoot, man. And he was like, dude, I was looking out the wrong side. I was looking out the other side of the truck. These people had weird stuff in their yard. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> of course. The only time that I'm like, holy crap, I think I saw Bigfoot. Braxton's like, oh, dude, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hey, maybe it was a decorated scarecrow dude or something. These people had a very eclectic yard. I don't know about that. I, don't, I really don't know about that. But. but on that same drive, though, a little bit after that, we were talking about stuff. We were talking about like the black dog and things. <laughs> I was and then there was somebody walking on our side stuff. of the road. Holy Very close moly. to the road, wearing like all black. Literally all black. Walking way too close to the that's not good. shoulder, you know? I didn't that's even always see him. scary. If he had been like close, I might have hit him. A guy, there was a guy in all black walking? Yeah. yeah. Not a spooky thing, just an actual dude just wearing like a, like a black hoodie and black was, pants. It but was a black dude. You don't with walk like on the road. Long, like black hair that had on like completely black, like black shirt, black pants, black shoes, like literally nothing on him was like, but you could tell it was, yeah, I'm, I should be walking at night. Yeah, it was just a dude, but <laughs> it was just a dude. Yeah. It was dangerous. <laughs> but I was like, why does this guy not have on like a reflective vest? And or, then we passed another or even guy just a little like after a white that shirt. Even if he had just had on a white shirt, he would have been fine. We passed another guy after that and who he was, was doing the right thing, who was walking on the opposite side of the road to face a car. You know what I'm saying? You know how you do that? And he had his phone light on. And I was like, you're smart. Yeah, he was walking back toward us with his phone. All that happened like five minutes apart. It really did. We literally saw this one guy. And then, like, a couple minutes later, we saw that other guy. And uh, I don't know what he was doing, but I was like, that's a weird light over there. And then it's this dude holding up his phone. Yeah. (laughs) Holy moly. So we got. That was our adventure. We got aliens and UFOs, Bigfoot. Now let's hear some history from Brett. The history guy. Yeah. I, I have a funny story, and I don't know if any of y'all have heard of this. I've heard, uh, I think I've heard it before, but I don't remember much about it. So, we need I came music. across this, <laughs> oh, probably four or five years ago. And it, you know, any 
weird history or funny history just catches my attention right away. And uh, so the story goes, it's the late 1950s. And, you know, it's basically the height of the Cold War. And the United States is doing just about all they can to open up the Soviet Union to capitalism mm-hmm. or basically introduce capitalism in any way they can. Yeah. So they actually get the Soviets to agree to have this American exposition there in Moscow. And at this exposition, they're going to present basically all these. Ronald uh, McDonald's over there dancing around <laughs> and like. <laughs> yeah. Any, any uh, technology or innovation or any capitalistic American companies to the Soviets in an attempt to, well, one, get them to buy our stuff, or two, maybe introduce capitalism to uh, the public Even in just the a Soviet little bit, Union, right? and maybe they'll see how corrupt communism is. That, that was the goal. So we have this exposition in Moscow, and I think the year was 1958 or 1959, and uh, Richard Nixon, who was the vice president at the time, because... Dwight Eisenhower is still president at this point. Right. Uh, Richard Nixon is, you know, I guess you can cut all this. <laughs> I'm trying to remember all this stuff off the top of my head. But basically, Richard Nixon, one of his goals was to get Nikita Khrushchev, who's the premier of mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, and uh, get him to try Pepsi Cola. Um, was Pepsi, this his concept? It, it was actually was the, he, I think it was the CEO of Pepsi at the time. To Pepsi him. was, you know, one of the companies at this exposition. And the CEO tried to get Richard Nixon to get a cup of Pepsi into Khrushchev's hands. And if Khrushchev tried this Pepsi and liked it, well... We won. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically <laughs> just it. Just a ridiculous concept that if we could get a man to drink a soda, that means we've won. That's so dumb. <laughs> he tried but, something American. Yeah. He is human. Well, Nixon's successful, and Khrushchev does try this Pepsi, and he loves it. He loves Pepsi. And he Pepsi. says, uh, you don't have Coke? They could have, <laughs> po- <laughs> they well, could that, have, they poisoned him. Well, yeah, but it was in public, Moscow. Though. That sounds like the inspiration it, for the plot. To, if uh, anything, the that's even more reason yeah. too. <laughs> you just put like a slow toxin in. That way, he dies late, like a long time after. Yeah, like the interview. Like the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Khrushchev loves his Pepsi, and they actually come to an agreement by the time this exposition is over to start producing Pepsi in the Soviet Union. There's only one problem with what this. What if he had hated it? That might have screwed up the whole deal. Yeah. It, it, it maybe maybe if it would have been me, no American products in Soviet <laughs> Union. <laughs> you know, like if Pepsi? that was the first soda I tasted, heck no. You don't like Pepsi? No. Because you're a Baja Blast guy. No, I like Coke. <laughs> you're a Baja Blaster. <sighs> so <laughs> it's a Pepsi product. The only problem with producing Pepsi or any American product for that matter in the Soviet Union at this time is that the only way the United States can get paid or these companies can get paid is either getting paid by Russian rubles or by trading it for something. 
1959, the Soviet Union had complete control over its currency, mm-hmm. meaning that if they gave Pepsi a billion dollars or whatever, they could say, oh, well, that, that cash that we just gave you, it's completely worthless now. And that would be really bad for Pepsi. So what they ended up doing is in this contract that they signed, they actually do for every gallon of Pepsi that's produced, the Soviet Union will trade one gallon of vodka. Okay. Oh. So that's the that's the original plan. Now, on paper, stereotypical, but good nonetheless. Uh, it, it is very stereotypical. I feel like they're like, yeah, give us the Pepsi and we'll get you drunk. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem with all that is that the Soviet Union drinks a whole lot more Pepsi than the United States does drink vodka. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't drink nearly as much vodka as the Russians do. So. By the late 1970s, early 1980s, Pepsi is really wanting to renegotiate this contract because they're kind of they're kind of losing a lot of money off of this. I just thought of something though. I wonder when Mountain Dew was first created, because Mountain Dew's purpose is a mixed drink. That's why Mountain Dew is another slang term for, you know, white lightning or moonshine. But Mountain Dew was marketed to be as a soda to be for mixed drinks. Does that make sense? Mm. I wonder if they pushed Mountain Dew because the onslaught of extra vodka that was coming through the Pepsi company. Might be. Really? I ne- could have been. We need to do some research on that. You should you should do that. <laughs> eh, maybe. I'm kind of over it now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh yeah, 2 seconds of Awesomeness. I think I'm done. <laughs> That's cool. Good thought. Anyway, just conjecture. That is not a confirmed anything. So the year is 1989. And if you know anything about world history in 1989, uh, the Soviet Union and basically every Eastern Bloc country, every communist country, is in complete turmoil. Uh, they're about to collapse. The Soviet Union ends up collapsing in 1991. Um, but the year is 1989. And the Soviet Union is about to go bankrupt, basically. And they're trying to renegotiate this Pepsi contract at the same time. And the Soviet Union, basically the only thing that they're producing at this point in time that's worth anything is military equipment. Okay, because again, Cold War, even though it's 1989, the Cold War is still raging. And Pepsi is still wanting to be, you know, king king of the Soviet Union as, as far as soft drinks go. They don't want to give up their reign to, to Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola is ready to pounce if uh, this contract doesn't get renegotiated. And what they end up coming up with is uh, Pepsi would still, you know, produce as much Pepsi as they can, but the Soviet Union, instead of trading vodka... This time, they will trade diesel-powered submarines, one cruiser, one destroyer, and one frigate for all of this Pepsi. I think the, <laughs> what it ends up equating to is about 20 naval ships in total. Um, about 17 submarines, I think, and then three other warships. Wow. Um, again, the only reason... Because that's the only thing that they have that's worth anything, just right. about. Now, when you, when you have to trade, Pepsi 
obviously isn't going to be using this to start a you know an all-out assault on Coca-Cola. Oh, <laughs> even though the that movie? would even though that would be awesome. Where's the movie on that? <laughs> All of these warships are outdated. You know, they're yes. they're obsolete by this point in time. And Pepsi, all they're going to do is use this these ships, send them to the scrapyard, and use the money from scrap. Right. Uh, but again, that's millions, if not billions, of dollars worth of military equipment mm-hmm. that they're going to be getting all this money for. So, um, at one point in time, this is just the the funny thing to think about. At one point in time, Pepsi had the sixth largest navy in the entire world. <laughs> yes yeah they definitely took that opportunity to like steam there's no river but i'm still gonna say it steam into atlanta and just (laughs) bombard coca-cola headquarters but the one of the funny quotes that comes out of this is the the ceo of um pepsi Mm -hmm. actually tells george bush who's george hw bush who's president at this point in time in 1989 he tells him I'm dismantling the Soviet Union faster than you are. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. Which is pretty funny. Ain't but again, a mountain do it would be prudent. <laughs> only uh, only two years later, the Soviet Union would collapse. Yeah. And uh, the kind of the sad part to this story, at least from Pepsi's point of view, is whenever the Soviet Union collapsed, so did that contract. Right. And Coca-Cola swoops in out of nowhere and basically buys up all the old Pepsi factories that oh. uh, are in the Soviet Union now, they buys them the up factories. on cents, cents on the dollar, and Coca-Cola now is the largest soft drink producer in the former Soviet Union. Wow. I, now I, wanna, I wonder what, like, the average like Russian's public perception is of Pepsi versus Coke, because that's a very interesting relationship now. Now, most, I, I, and a lot of the research that I've done on this topic, which again, is it's not it's a extensive, ton, oh, but it's <laughs> enough, <not. laughs> enough that I've caught excerpts here and there. Most Russians still prefer the taste of Pepsi over Coke, mm. but Makes sense. Coke is produced more. Coke is so, produced more now. Yeah. Huh. So th- there's still lots of places there in Russia that, yeah. you know. There's probably can, a lot of nostalgia for mm-hmm. Pepsi in its own weird way, you know? Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really cool. That's super interesting. Pepsi, let it, let it get away, man. Yeah. They might be bigger than Coke if they hadn't lost that deal. Yeah. Um, Maybe. Africa as well. I did a, a project for an international business class on what was called the soda wars that happened in South Africa. Okay. And it was back and forth between Pepsi and Cola, particularly like during apartheid in South Africa. Which and one sided with apartheid and which one? So that's a joke. I could that have I could have this mixed up. But w- they were both established in South Africa and then they were both kind of kicked out. Mm. Um but I think Pepsi was officially kicked out. Um, again, I could be wrong about that. I, I did it kind of over both, but I focused on Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. One of them was kicked out because the South Africans saw them as an American corporation taking advantage of low-class South Africans mm-hmm. 
they weren't seeing as paying them well at all. You know, they wouldn't give jobs to many people in like the actual business hierarchy. They would always bring in Americans um, rather than hire people there in South Africa. Um, and so Pepsi became like one of the most hated companies in, in South Africa at the time. Or could be wrong, but I'm 99% sure it was Pepsi. Coca-Cola was allowed to stay, but they basically, during apartheid, didn't do much. Then they came back and they said, okay, we saw what you do, what you do to Pepsi. Don't do that to us. We will hire um, local people mm. to move up the chain in our business. And uh, it was super interesting. Coca-Cola is now like the fastest growing drink. Um, and the number one market, number one fastest growing market right now for soda is Africa. But it's like an inverse relationship with the populations. So um, so what does that mean? The less population, the more? Yeah, it, it's growing in like the developing nations. Mm. So Coke... It's seen as very like predatory in a way. Oh yeah, because they move in, um, take the water source, the, use uh, it to produce Coca Cola. There's no real uh, health um, campaigns or anything either to warn people about soda. But the more developed nations like Nigeria, like South Africa, have started to look at sugar taxes mm-hmm. and really reduce soda being in right. the general population, and so now people like Pepsi and Coca-Cola are looking to places like Cameroon. Yeah. Um, Namibia. I guess more, less developed places. But the relationship between Pepsi and South South Africa was really interesting. Mm. That's what it reminded me of. How they, I mean, just like in Russia, they had like a huge shot and they kind of ruined it and Coke was able to take over. Yeah. Coca-Cola. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> no, I think that because I also did a project uh, in my class on Pepsi, or like you know the Pepsi. Well, it's actually what the it was what Frito Lay mm-hmm. and PepsiCo, which are one big corporation. But that was one of the things is probably because of that and other things. Now I, I it may be different now, but I think when I studied it four or five years ago, like more than half of the people on the board were from international areas and the CEO was like from India or something. Mm-hmm. And they basically took that action because of stuff like that happening in the past and being accused of always bringing in people in yeah, instead of, you know. Yeah. it's hmm. interesting. That would be interesting to see if you had a map. Mm-hmm. Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, the entire world. Pepsi and Coca-Cola are also like, I think like the world's number one like plastic polluters. Probably. Yeah. But it, it makes you think, do they both like try to compete for a big country like Russia or let's say South America? Do they both try to capture Brazil and get like 70 to 80% try to be the first ones and get people addicted like in Russia? Or... Would Pepsi see like Coca-Cola already has Brazil and they say, okay, let's get... It's like a chess game. Peru, (laughs) Argentina, Bolivia. Yeah. Hmm. I just want to know who owns Haritos. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're delicious. I'm sure we can find that out real quick. It's probably Coca-Cola. 
If I had to guess, I would probably say yes. I want to say Topo Chico is owned by Coke. Yeah, I thought I, I thought, think Topo Chico is owned by Dr Pepper Snapple, but I could be wrong. I thought Haritos was the oldest um, drink thing still running that's not owned by. It may be that and Big Red. I, th- I thought Big it was, Red is yeah. owned by itself. I don't know. I had a Ritos um, Lime the other day. Haritos is a brand of soft drink in Mexico, founded in 1950 by Don Francisco El Guero Hill, and now owned by Novamex, a mm. large independent bottling conglomerate based in Guadalajara. Mm. Cool. <clears throat> it is also distributed in some areas of Mexico by the Pepsi Bottling Group and Cot. But the bottling thing is an interesting relationship, though. Yeah, that's kind of because a lot of a lot of Dr Pepper Snapple products are bottled by Coke. Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. Soft drink history is pretty interesting, though. It really is. It's cool. There's a lot more to it than just yeah. And there's also a lot of drinks that, like, when you taste them, you're like, "This should have been a hit." Like, why does this one win over that one? This one is obviously more delicious. Mm. I was right. <clears throat> Topo Chico has been sourced from and bottled in Monterey, Mexico since 1895. In 2017, the Coca-Cola company purchased Topo Chico for $220 million. So it, it wow. It lasted more than 100 years before. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, I actually have never had Topo Chico. Is it just sparkling water? Uh, it's sparkling mineral water. It doesn't necessarily taste like water. It tastes like mineral water. Yeah, I don't like really, mineral water. It's like super, super, super carbonated. But yeah, it's it's like the most it's carbonated great. drink ever, right? Basically, it's it's really good. It's also not carbonated at the source. I think the I think I looked it up one day. The only I may need to double check that, but um, I think uh, one of my friend's moms who like loves Topo Chico was like, "Yeah, it comes carbonated. It just comes out of the spring carbonated." And I said, "I don't think." Topo Chico no. is like that. Um, their carbonation is added in afterwards, but I believe Perrier comes carbonated from the spring that it is actually Supposedly, in. yes. Perrier is nasty, dude. I don't even think I've had Perrier. I just like Topo Chico. Maybe I should Chico. try Topo Chico because my only experience with mineral water is You should. Um, they have they have some flavored ones. Uh, I think I don't know if they have too many. The only ones I know of are lime and grapefruit, but mm-hmm. both so, of those are extremely good. I've had it once. I imagine. Have, I have a lot of lime if you want to try some. Mm-hmm. So, Topo Chico, imagine like you're drinking a soda. Got it? Mm-hmm. Now take away all the flavor. Yeah. Truly gross. Yeah. No, it's not. Perry, it tastes so, like drinking like quarters. <laughs> okay, but if you've ever you know like... I mean? It tasted you, like metal kind of. If you've ever gotten like straight carbonated water out of a machine, that is not what Topo Chico tastes like. It's a little different. It's a little different, mm. yeah. And I mean, I... I, I try it. It's probably an acquired taste. Um, oh, yeah. But it, I, I don't think it takes super long to acquire that taste. It's not like alcohol or something like that where it's like, yeah, you got to try it. You gotta drink it for a long time. Yeah, it's, and even it's then, like, it doesn't it taste great. It starts to taste good, dude. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe after you've had like twelve. <laughs> Same thing with coffee. <laughs> Coffee's an acquired taste. Yeah, but I love it. I like the smell of it, but I cannot drink coffee. I love just regular black Folgers coffee. Yeah, 
So this is Perrier is best known for its naturally occurring carbonation. And being the sponsor of... Um, the question I had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Never. No, I can't think of his name. Who is wait. the French driver? Who is wait. Sasha Baron Cohen and Ricky Bobby? Wait. He wait. was His car was the Perrier car. Wait. Why? Okay. This is Perrier, Wikipedia, our number one source of the Question Hand podcast, um, is best known for its naturally occurring carbonation. But there's an article from April 19th, 1990 from APNews.com that says Perrier to remove sparkling water claim from its bottles. The FDA said the water is not naturally carbonated as it comes out of the ground at a spring. In as it comes from Timon and Pumbaa sitting in a hot tub, that's actually Pumbaa's farts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, Braxton just went there. <laughs> Remember <laughs> in the Lion King when they yeah okay <laughs> that was so dumb. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savanna after every meal. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I'm not proud of that. Okay, what were you saying? <laughs> you were so excited about <laughs> that too. <laughs> Gosh, that was it. That that it's not actually. Yeah, so the FDA said it's, it's not, not naturally carbonated as it comes out of the ground at a spring in Vergeze, France. France. I believe that's how that's pronounced. Um, but yeah, it says it's claimed to be naturally sparkling is false. Dang French. I, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. Anyway, yeah, I, I like it. A lot of people like it. Um, it, it's it's one of those things that it probably takes like one or two bottles where you're like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, yeah, and like even then, like after you drink like the original one, just the normal Topo Chico, and then you have one that's flavored like the lime or the grapefruit, you're like, why would I ever drink the regular one again? Yeah, I can <laughs> see that happening, and then it's almost like then yeah. it's not just mineral water; it's slowly becoming more of a soda. Kinda, but yeah. But not not quite, but it's still, you know. It's still just water, though. It just has flavoring. Yeah. But, yeah, the normal one, after a while, you're like, dude, this needs something. And then they, you drink one of like the other ones, and you're like, okay, yeah. Nope. I'm never going back. <laughs> never looking back. Just straight on forward with lime grapefruit. That's it. We got anything else? I just want to say I love horchatas. Yes. <laughs> Christian looked at me so serious. Yes. They're delicious. Horchatas is the best drink ever made. I want one right now, but I don't know where to get one. Um. So in town, there are a few Chata. places. Is no. that the the snow cone? Or not the the? Yeah, the snow cone that you get from mm-hmm. Bahama Bucks. Mm-hmm. Christian was like, "Dude, this so is so the delicious. way they make it." Is you take rice. How they thought of this, I don't want to know. Yeah. Well, basically, you end up with rice milk. and Which uh, is just like rice with soaked in water, and then mm-hmm. you like squeeze it through a you take out the rice cloth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you cannot naturally milk rice. So you just have they don't to have nipples. Yeah. Have, you, <laughs> have you seen that, uh, that avocado... Oh. Did we watch that on well, the podcast? Well, it's an almond. Almond. That's almond I didn't farmer say who talks about I knew what I was talking about. I just, it's a drunk thing. Um, I don't know why I said avocado. It's an anyway. avocado. Have you, seen the, have you seen the video of the almond milking farm? Have you seen this, Brett? 
Uh-uh. Okay, we're going to have to watch this real quick so Brett knows what we're talking about. It's so funny. Okay, finish what you're saying. So, yeah, I mean, you get this rice milk, and you put sugar and cinnamon and sometimes honey into it. Yeah. Oof. It's so good. Well, I've had some that are nasty. It's But they just didn't know how to make it, I don't think. Yeah, sometimes. But I've had a lot of them that are very good. They don't know how to make it. It does take like a day to make. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times you order it and they're out because they mm-hmm, make mm-hmm. a certain amount. And then there's one restaurant in Huntsville that had them mm-hmm. and they were so good. The best place, Juan and a Million in Austin, had the best horchata I've ever had in my life. I want to run an horchata van. Yeah. That's the dream. That sounds really good. Just live in a van and make. <laughs> Brett, if, you, if you've never had it, imagine so you're eating like a bowl of cereal. Of uh, cinnamon, cinnamon toast, toast crunch. crunch, and you're drinking the milk after, but it's kind of made into a smoothie. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. It's not super sweet, but it's like a little tiny bit of cinnamon and a little bit of like mm-hmm. milk type sweetness. It will change your. It's life. kind of like a sopapilla in a way, not exactly, but it's the same style yeah, of flavoring, it's, it's, right? It's the sopapilla of drinks. Yeah. <laughs> It's the Sofa P of podcasts. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever so that means. Here's this uh, nut milking video. Milking a 600 kilogram Holstein. Now that's easy. Milking a one gram almond. That's hard. Tiny little udders. Tiny. That's a picture of my grandfather in World War II. When he got back from the, from the war, he started this here nut milkery and I'm third generation nut milker now, and I love what I do. There's so much confusion in city folk these days. They're talking about nuts don't lactate, nuts don't have nipples. I'll show you a nut nipple. So this is a tandem nut milker. It milks two nuts at a time. Uh, It's comfortable for them. They want to be milked. You'll never see a happier nut than a freshly milked nut. And uh, you can hear them a little bit. If you listen, you hear that, hear that chirping? That's a happy nut. Back in the old days, we used to train gerbils to milk the nuts, but they would eat some of our herd and it wasn't ideal. So these dual nut milkers have really changed the game. I'd say, I'd say well, I know exactly how many we got. We got 564 of these running 24 seven. It's quite the operation. So it takes about 200 almonds to get a half gallon of almond milk. And see that, that rare, that's what you get from a couple of nuts. Looks like milk to me. Mmm, nice and warm. All our almonds are fully organic, grass-fed. Oh, this will last them a good month, I'd say. All these ones you see here, these are females. Now, the ones you see in the store, those are all males. They have no udder at all. And most people go their whole lives and see nothing but a male almond because, well, we don't let the females off the farm. You gotta be careful if you're gonna pick up and pet an almond. They'll, they'll jump right out at you, poke you in the eye. Whoa, whoa, easy girl. Hardest part for sure is uh, learning the art of properly sexing the nuts. Because if you don't do that properly, it can really cut into your bottom dollar. Female. I don't even really know what I'm looking for when I do it. Male. I had to learn it from my father and he learned it from his grandfather. You, you kind of just look at the back end of it and you, I guess you, you feel the essence of the nut and you can just kind of tell if it's a male or a female. When it boils down to it, it's, it's really an art. It's something that takes time to do. You know, it's a hard job, but uh, 
I'm living the dream and nothing makes me happier than knowing that my hard work went into making this nut milk happen. I wouldn't do anything else. Gosh. It's nuts make Important milk. is knowing how to sex the nut. Do <laughs> you remember that episode of uh, 30 Jobs when Micro was on that uh, chick farm? That was like ex part of uh, sexing the chickens. And Micro was like, pardon? <laughs> pardon? So uh, this this video is called Nut Milking Exposed, if you want to go look it up on YouTube. But Brett, I want to know your honest opinion about I had no idea nuts process. had nipples. Yeah. It's great. It, all makes, the it all makes machine. sense to me now. I think, I think the first time I saw that, the funniest part was when he's like, yeah, our nuts are completely grass-fed. <laughs> and he's just spreading he's dry spreading hay over, yes, all, over, over the, the almonds that are just laying on the ground. And he's That like, part always makes me mad because it's literally, it's so <laughs> dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> I laughed so hard, though, because I was like, and he's like, oh, yeah, this will last him about a good month. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the only reason that it's, it's going to last him that long is because it's going to rain and ruin your hay. <laughs> That's literally the only reason that it wouldn't last him forever. I did like the concept though that the the male nuts are what you see in stores. Yeah, you just yeah. eat them. Most the people female go the nuts whole stay on the farm. Most people go their whole life and only see a male nut. <laughs> I know that's true for Pause. me. Hold on, I'm gonna have to like cut that out. No, <laughs> just don't acknowledge it. That's I mean that's what that's what he said in the deal. Only see a male nut. <laughs> This podcast is explicit now. <laughs> Basically. So yeah, nut milking. It's a thing. Never thought I'd hear what that. A, whatever you milk. see on how it's made or something where they're like using cheesecloth and like grinding it's, them it's up. It's fake. It's fake news, Fake man. news. Fake news. You know what it's actually it is? What? Because the almond is the center. On the outside of the almond is a whole other layer that's more like juicy and fleshy. And they squish that, and that's where the juice comes out of. Squish and then the almond the is the seed inside. Squishy nuts. Yeah, squishy nuts. <laughs> Consult your doctor. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> oh my lord. That is, that is that is true though. Jesus. I can not make the joke. That's so good. Oh, man. All right. Uh, well, I do have one more thing. Um, so about, about a week ago, I think. I'm pretty sure it was about a week ago. About a week ago, a week ago. Uh, about a week ago, um, Black Magic decided that they were going to release a new cinema camera, right? I think it's believe, I believe it's called the Black Magic Ursa Mini Pro. And it shoots... 12K footage. Now, that's cool and all. But how do you work with 12K footage? You don't. Like, people already have hard enough time working with 8K. Where would you even store all that footage? It would take, like, an entire 100 terabyte server to even make a movie out of 12K. To me, the only reason people would use that for would be, like, for, like, the Planet Earth documentaries. Yeah, maybe. Like, you know, so they could punch in on like a deer galloping 
from like a million feet away while they're in like a helicopter. Yeah. That's literally the only reason that that would be feasible. Next movie, Christopher Nolan's new movie is entirely <laughs> shot. It's entirely shot in 12K. This movie is actually coming out before Tenet. <laughs> Gosh. Holy moly. So yeah, uh, and it's a lot I, of K's. I, I don't Do you guys know who Linus Tech Tips is on YouTube? Yeah. So he, I believe, has a podcast called The Wan Show or something. And uh, he's talking to one of the guys and he's like, yeah, uh, Blackmagic released this um, 12K camera and they had a limit of five. So we bought six. <laughs> he's like, you did what? He's like, yeah, why not? We like Blackmagic cameras. Let's just do it. So they bought the limit and then they bought another one with another guy's like yeah. personal account. So yeah. Why? He, I I don't know. Like I legit don't know. And so the guy was like, "What are you even going to do with that?" And he's like, "We're going to figure out a way to tether up two of them together so we can make a 24k." 24K. <laughs> and then he said, "We're going to make 24k gold." <sighs> he's like, "Get it?" <laughs> That's so dumb. But yeah, uh I don't know why anyone would need to shoot in that. I mean, 8k I believe is already like super overkill. No yeah. one is I don't know if I mean it'll be years before anyone actually watches something in 8k. I would think And by all the human less, accounts, most people can't tell the difference between 4k and 8k. Yeah, or 4k and 1080 a lot of the time. Um so I don't know why anyone would feel the need that they need to shoot in 12k. Uh, because people like bigger I numbers. I don't even know when they would come out with something where you could watch a full res 12k thing like video. VR. I mean, even if people are even if people Maybe. are editing these on a Mac Pro with the Retina 6K display, like they're still only getting 6K. Like you're getting half of the resolution you're shooting it at tops. And you could maybe say, oh, we'll edit it on an 8K TV or something. Like, what good is that going to do you? It's how would still people 12K? watch it in the original like how, yeah, how native resolution? Gonna, how are you going to watch it in 12K? Like, they, do they even have a monitor out right now where you could be like, yeah, that's just great 12K footage? Yeah. What's the point? Also, how enormous would those files be? Like, even 4K is huge. 8K is insane. Like, how fast would you fill up a terabyte card? Yeah. I guess the whole thing is they're betting on the sp- the storage space to continue to improve. Yeah. To con- which it has. You know, it's been... The graph has been continuously going. Yeah. But that doesn't... But people that shoot in 8K... It doesn't mean there's going to be a demand for it, you yeah. know? People that shoot in 8K, they're like, yeah... Like a 500 gig card lasts me like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that work at all? And then, and what, but flow? then what I don't understand then at that point, it, at this point at, to me, it would be, why not just shoot in f- with film? Yeah. And then scan it to whatever, any resolution you would want to it. There has to be a curve to where film, I know film is super expensive now, but like if you're, you know, if it kicked, if 10 minutes take up a full giant amount of data, why not store it on a format that can hold a hypothetically unlimited amount of data and then use machinery later yeah. to scan it? Well, like how would you even compress that footage down to a like a re, like a workable I don't know what would it look like resolution. Like it's got to be insane. And what are you going to post it in? Where are you going to put it? 
if you shoot something for YouTube in 12K, you have to like downers it to 4K for you even to be able to upload it. And even in YouTube, it's not really 4K. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're streaming it. It is, but it isn't. Yeah, because you're streaming it. You're streaming it. it. It's not like if you have like a hard copy and you're playing it on your 4K display and you're like, whoa, this looks absolutely incredible. Like even all the stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff. It's close, but it's... That's in 4K. It's like, eh, yeah, but you're still streaming it. So, anyway. That's what it is. you have any input? There's a lot of Ks. 4K cameras. Um, I mean, I've kind of talked with a few like cinematographers that actually work in movie and TV production about new cameras coming out and they say they're useless. A lot of times they don't even shoot in log. Yeah. They say the highest they'll do is log 4K. Anything else is yeah. like I think the future is not going to be resolution, it's going to be now that we've got resolution basically through the roof, they need to start focusing on the other aspects of recording visual data besides resolution. Yeah, like why you know doesn't I mean? why doesn't somebody which is where HDR and stuff comes in an incredibly efficient battery or like make the cameras more efficient? Yeah, where it's like yeah, I don't <laughs> have to now I can change batteries every like four hours instead of every one and a half. Yeah, if it even lasts that long. But I mean, <laughs> I believe okay. So uh, Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD on YouTube, he shoots everything in 8K with his red cameras because. He can. Like, why not? Right. Basically, yeah. Why not? Literally, he just likes to flex and be like, yes, I shoot everything in 8K on my fantastically expensive red camera. And uh, and it's just him he, in front of a white wall. He said, on, I believe it was on his podcast, he said that he shot a video in 8K that he was sending to like a TV deal for like New Year's Eve. He had to down res it to 720p <laughs> to send it in. Mm-hmm. Just mail the flash drive. No, 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 no. It's not that. They <laughs> wanted it in a 720p. It was oh. like 720p 60 or 720p 30 mm-hmm. for him for them to even accept it, like to be able to play it on TV. That's really funny. Yeah. So why do you need a 12K camera is my question. Who needs it? Like, even if you're shooting some insane movie, why? Yeah. Why do you need it? It just doesn't make any sense. If anyone has uh, a reason why anyone would need 12K, please let me know. Just please let me know. I would would love to know your opinion. Uh, Anyway, I think that's going to do it for tonight, guys. I don't know if we have anything else. I think I did have one other thing, but I'm not going to talk about it tonight. Okay. We'll save it. We'll save it for another one. Um, All right. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Brett for coming and t- yeah. telling us about Pepsi. And that was a good one. Having a great Navy. I'm uh, a friend of the show. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure, man. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Um, all our social links are at thequestionathand.com. Uh, leave us a message. We love those. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Yeah, can I get a Pepsi free? You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to have to pay for it. Crystal Pepsi. Ew.